The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Practical Spirituality Positive Messages This is Unity Online Radio The Voice of an Awakening World Discover a positive path for spiritual living. Welcome to Voices of Unity with Rev. Jackie Fernandez. Well, Happy New Year, Voices of Unity listeners. Welcome, welcome, welcome to 2021 on Voices of Unity. I'm Rev. Jackie Fernandez, and it is my great joy to be back with you after a, a holiday break, as time would have it, as the calendar would have it. And I'm so excited to bring to you a wonderful guest this morning, Dr. Rima Benario. Welcome to Voices of Unity, Rima. Thank you, Jackie. I'm just so honored and delighted to be here, and Happy New Year to you, too. Ah, thank you. Rima, for those of you who don't know, and I'm sure many of you do, uh, because Rima is not new to the unity circle of people, uh, but if you don't know, if she is new to you, she is Dr. Rima Benario, an author, teacher, energy healer, and soul coach who supports people in embodying their sacred feminine sovereignty, which is why I invited Rima to the very first episode of Womankind, which is a new online series that my spiritual community, Unity Church of Overland Park, has partnered with Unity Temple on the Plaza to create this monthly virtual platform. At some point, we hope to come together in person, um, but for now it is virtual, And for January, which kicks off this Wednesday, January 6th, uh, features Marianne Williamson, Don Miguel Ruiz Jr., and Heather Ashamara as our guests, and of course, Dr. Rima Benario. She comes on for our daily practice segment, which I think is such an important way to end each episode with uh, a tool and a daily practice that people can bring forward in terms of bringing forth the divine feminine and that kind of energy in your life. And so having worked with Rima, having worked with you on that um, episode, I thought, wow, let's bring her on Voices of Unity so we can talk more because it was such a short segment. <laughs> and I thought, oh, we got it. We got to swim in this a little bit more. So um, tell us, tell us, I, I know many Unity people will know you because of the book. So tell us about that project. Um, about the Who Have You Come Here to Be work? Yes, yes. Yeah. So, so probably it's been about 12 years ago now, I joined forces with Dr. Gary Simmons and Dr. Jane Simmons and um, really was supporting Gary's work as I was doing some consulting for Unity Worldwide. And um, he was uh, right. He was working as the vice president there and at the time and really talking to churches about organizational development. And one of the key aspects of that is leadership development. And in the process, he was describing this important concept of recognizing that when we're living in principle and we're recognizing that there's only one power and one presence, there's there's a way of living where you show up with nothing and no one against you. It can't be against you. It has to be for you. And it's up to us to sort of dig around and figure out what, how is this situation for me, even if it looks against me. And, um, and so he was in that process of teaching that. And through my association with him, we realized that there was a whole body of work available that needed to be birthed 
related to actually understanding the shadow side of spirituality and how it is that we can forget who we are and really instead choose to create a structure that allows us to be who we've come here to be. And when we're in that place of being who we've come here to be, it's a lot easier to see how life is for us. And we don't ask people to do that when they've faced, you know, significant tragedies. We feel like that's sort of, we don't want to shortchange our grieving process and our healing process, you know, any spiritual tool can be bent and used as a platitude and a weapon. And so instead, it's about starting with the paper cuts and the easy things and seeing how those can be seen as there for our own growth. And and then through the natural process of healing, we come to be able to work with the larger issues in life and see ourselves really as who we've come here to be. And so Jane um, and then also Reverend Kelly Isola and myself got together and created this beautiful book called Who Have You Come Here to Be? 101 Possibilities for Contemplation. And it offers 101 qualities that we can sort of use as a lens to try on like a spiritual wardrobe to see, well, is this who I've come here to be? Is it, is it strength? Is it luscious? Is it vibrational, you know, alignment? Is it oneness? What is, what are the qualities that my particular soul has come here to embody? And so we've got the book and the card deck and people seem to like it. So (laughs) indeed. And, you know, we see that floating around churches. I love the card deck. It's, you know, gorgeous photography and, and it's the kind of work that, that grows with you. You can use it over and over and, and be in that question, live in that question, who have I come here to be, you know, throughout every stage and circumstance of your life. So thank you for being part of that great work. Now talk to me about your, um, your title doctor. I'm really interested in, because I understand that is in a transform, transformational psychology or yeah, transformative so this, psychology. I was really blessed to, um, well, again, this came out of my work with Gary and Jane. So I was sort of one day ruminating and saying, you know, it'd be really cool if somebody did a pre and post test with our shadow work practice that we call the Q process or the quantum process. And, um, see, be able to like really research and show and document all the changes that we were seeing anecdotally that people were experiencing, learning Mm -hmm. how this practice. And he said, you know, that's a really great idea. You should do that. (laughs) (laughs) And so I felt really called up and I uh, connected with Bob Nunley, who's a a magical person who's since passed on. And um, he was the provost at the time at Holos University Graduate Seminary. And so I enrolled there and it was like going to Hogwarts in a way for me. It was so magical. I wanted to take every single class because there was this beautiful union of science and spirituality. And I got to study all kinds of things, different energy medicine practices, understanding sort of the psychology behind our conditioning, really diving deep into the background pieces that make up the the work, the shadow work that we do. And through that, I uh, earned my doctorate in transformational psychology and was also ordained in All Saints um, Faith Ministry there. But I don't really use my reverend title very much because I run around in unity circles and I don't want people to be confused that I've been ordained as a unity minister. I know too many of you work too hard for that. To... <laughs> well, you know, shine that doctor title. <laughs> That's beautiful and well earned, and I love that. You know, let's talk. Let's talk a little more about shadow work because um, because you brought it up a few times, and it's you know really seems to be core in your body of work. Um, so let's talk so for anyone who's new to that concept. Let's let's go ahead and get into that a little bit. 
Yeah, so the term shadow was coined by um, Carl Jung, who's one of the fathers of modern day psychology, sort of was building on Freud's work. And Freud was looking at a lot of dysfunction in people's lives, but he sort of got, I think, stuck in the uh, world of, you know, detailing all the different forms of neuroses. And, And Jung took a much more spiritual approach. He sort of felt like, you know, in general, people are are, are wonderful people that are struggling to create meaning in their lives. And what happens is we have aspects of ourselves that through our life experience, uh, we end up coming to believe they're not acceptable or they're not um, welcome or there's something about it that's not safe to express. And so so they they, without our intention go into hiding it's sort of just a, like a psychological defense mechanism where we push these aspects of ourselves into what robert bly calls the long black bag and uh, generally speaking somewhere around 30 or so for for a lot of people stuff starts to hit the fan and and all that repressed um upset if we haven't had conscious awareness of it before starts to show itself and and these shadow aspects are sometimes unhealed parts of ourselves they can also be what's called the golden shadow which is beautiful aspects of ourselves our brilliance our magnificence that we were told that we should tamp down or to turn down not shine so bright you know there also are um our sort of lower impulses, you know, when we're children, we don't want to share toys because we really want to have it ourselves, you know, so we get to feel, oh my gosh, I'm selfish. And then somehow that ends up making us feel uncomfortable with our own desire and our own wants and needs. And we sort of repress that. So shadow work is the process of noticing or trying to make visible what's been hanging out under the carpet, right? And causing us to have um, struggles in our life without us realizing it. There's this whole sort of operating system, like your computer runs on an operating system. You don't think much about it. We have an operating system too, and it's running in the background with our express consent. And so shadow work is the act of of looking at it and deciding, do I really like what it's doing here? Finding out where the controls are, the settings are, and and being able to change those. Ah, got you. I love that. Um, And I love the concept of the golden shadow. That's new to me. I hadn't heard that. That's beautiful. Yeah, so that, in fact, is really what the body of work of who you come here to be is all about helping people do is illustrate their golden shadow aspects. You know, if we're the divine walking on earth as embodied um, souls, you know, embodied aspects of the divine, then we have access to all of the wonderful attributes that the divine would, uh, you know, enfold. And so the reason we use the number 101, it was sort of kind of a nod to it's infinite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and try, try some of these on, you know, and mm-hmm. see which ones feel specific to your soul path. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it makes me think of um, in Mayan cosmology, which, you know, I'm a student of, you would say, you know, and each um, each entity, each deity, each concept has, you know, the fullness of, you know, you could say light or shadow, good or bad. Um, and so there there's the overworld and the underworld. And 
all of it together creates the whole. And it reminds me of what you're saying. It makes me think of that. Yeah. So that each deity is, it's not that just that there are the good gods and goddesses and the evil gods and goddesses. It's, it's both in the same. And, and then they have characters that maybe grow out. And so that perhaps, um, you know, one character, when they're in their um, underworld essence, they have one name and one out picturing. And then when then they're, you know, in their light essence, they have a different name and a different out picturing, but it's at the core, it's the same deity. And, um, yeah, that, I that love concept, that. isn't that beautiful? Like, mm -hmm. so you don't, we don't have to separate it and break it. You know, we're so stuck in our human ego mind in, in the polarities. It's either this or it's that it's black or it's white. It's good or it's bad. It's desirable or it's undesirable, but, but living life is all about the, the spaces between those polarities. And so being able to, um, to extract, um, something out of the light that, that may actually be rooted in the, in the underworld or something out of the underworld that's rooted in the light because it's all the same. We actually bring a, a really deep integration into our own being. Yeah, that's, that's the key, I believe, for healthy self-expression is this recognition of in integration is the ultimate goal. All of us is welcome here. And it may be messy and dirty and we may have things we need to learn and heal um, and to understand that we're seeking to you know, when we say things are on the off list, it's behaviors. Behaviors are on the off list. Yeah. It's it's not people. It's not parts of ourselves that are on the off list. And and so um, I I really have a, a sadness around some of this um, spirit of cancel culture. You know, like somebody mm. makes a mistake, mm. perhaps a public mistake, perhaps even a really large mistake, um, out of ignorance and. And instead of saying that behavior is off the table, we, we say, you're gone, you're mm -hmm. out, we're, we're, mm -hmm. we're done with you, we're going to destroy you. And that's, that is not generative, it's not life-giving, it's, and it's also a form of shadow, because we can only do that if we have disowned our own, yeah. um, our own mistake maker, you know, our right. own, the part of us that can be unconscious and make and do things, even sometimes willfully, that hurt people. I mean, we all have those parts of ourselves. And so the work of a you know, and, and someone on the path of enlightenment or someone seeking to be more spiritual or what I call the the priestess and the queen, because I, I work primarily mm -hmm. with feminine archetypes, is to to see and hold everything you're describing. And this is, as you say, not new. It's in the Mayan pantheon. You can see it in the Greek and Roman gods. You can see it in the Hindu gods. I mean, all of these expressions that came even from indigenous cultures that try to help us understand that we have all these characters, as you've described them, living in us. Mm -hmm. and, and our job is to love ourselves into wholeness. Mm, I love it. Love ourselves into wholeness. And you are on a divine path of, of helping people. I love your, your title, Soul Coach. That makes me think of Kelly Hunt, our dear Kelly Hunt, who is the music director of Womankind, the project that Rima um, is participating in for the first premiere episode. And so I want us to hear that song before we continue in our conversation. It's one heart at a time. And I think it just really summarizes 
probably what's at the core of, of your work, Rima. I know it is at the core of mine is that we lift each other up and that we're all on this path, this journey together um, toward enlightenment, toward truth seeking, toward um, really living out and embodying our wholeness. So Louie, will you roll that track for us? song so that recording was at unity church of overland park live um a few years back but kelly will be performing that song live with us at womankind and so let's you know one heart at a time we lift each other up 
I want, let's get into the work of transformation, of personal transformation. And, uh, you know, on your website, you talk about, you know, the secret ingredients and, and what the keys are to making true lasting change. So what I want to hear first, uh, before we get into like practical life application is, um, what really sings for you in your work? Like what, what is your total jam? What's at the core of everything you do? Oh, gosh, that's such a great question. You know, when I started on this journey, I had um, a, a thirst for knowledge. You know, I really wanted to understand what it meant to to live in a spiritual way. I felt this longing, you know, for something deeper and more meaningful. And I was... Um, had some struggles in my early life. I had a short three-year marriage that was very painful in my 20s and, you know, eventually found my way to unity. And a lot of the work was about sort of head learning. And through my process, I I was able to sort of take that 18-inch, very, very long road from the head to the heart and open my heart and, um, and, and begin to feel a kind of universal love in my life, which was so beautiful and so helpful. And then through the shadow work process, I was able to kind of move through the things in my life that were in the way of me fully expressing what I'd come to know myself to be, which is this divine expression. And there was still another piece of the puzzle that was waiting for me that was really a great surprise to me. And this was this idea of actually living in my body and being embodied. And and for me, that was the last stop on the journey that, um, not that there isn't more to be always discovered, but for me, that was like a, a, it opened a whole new world of wisdom and information of, of actually what can come from having a relationship, a true relationship with my body. Like a lot of people, I'd, I'd learned early on that my body was not a safe place to be. It didn't feel safe. I felt always unsettled and rattled and, you know, impinged upon. And I didn't have the tools to be able to be comfortable in my body. And I needed to do some healing work around my growing up experiences. And, and so my, my work now really focuses on helping people find that wisdom and live from that embodied place so that all of the knowledge and all of the heart love can really inform the world in a very, very practical way, inform our life, our life choices in a practical way. And, and so I would say that when I think about the secrets to, to really finding that deeper layers of happiness. It's understanding that we have these multiple expressions of ourselves and making sure that we are seeking to embody and integrate all of those aspects of ourselves. We've got our mental sovereignty on board. We've got our emotional sovereignty on board. We have physical sovereignty on board. We, we have a sense of our own energetic sovereignty. We're aware of our energy body and how our energy body operates. We've got tools to use that as well as spiritual sovereignty. I mean, the whole, the whole ball of wax, if you will. And, um, and so I operate now through these lens of these seven archetypes that help me help others and help me keep myself in a place where I'm integrating and living from all of these amazing aspects of myself. So, you know, you're just 
low key, <laughs> moving and grooving in your human body, fully divine, bringing it all together. I, I love how you, you really um, bring a grounding. You know, I think the work, like doing the body work of embodying our soul um, for me in my experience has been really about grounding. Um, so it's, it's really easy to get, um, actually to really avoid a lot of growth and, and truth experience when we keep our spirituality in our head or sort of out in the clouds. Um, and it's easy to sort of just soar. And I think like when you talked about, um, any spiritual teaching can be bent as a platitude. I think that's where the danger of that comes into place because we don't ever actually have to live it and feel it and, and integrate it into the body and the lived experience. But the work that you're talking about is for me, as I experience it in my body is about grounding and, and really walking it on the face of this earth, on this planet as a, a fully embodied divine light, which means well, I am completely in touch with my humanity. Absolutely. And if, if we don't have that, what you've just described there, when, when real challenges hit, um, we, we can feel completely lost. And, and this year has been a year of, you know, kind of having to check ourselves to see, am I really able to live my spiritual principles? And, um, and that's not to say that we're, we're immune from, you know, grief and sadness. In fact, I think that What's been true for me and I see in my students is that the more they embrace this work, the more skill they have at actually sitting with and being with those more difficult emotions as they arise. And, you know, the, the only way out is through, they say. Mm -hmm. And so um, if you don't take the journey through, you're just stuffing, stuffing, stuffing. And one day, you know, it's it will it will explode or whether it shows up perhaps in a lack of health or whatever it might be. And we're just not going to be able to live optimally if we're, if we're, um, avoiding the, the work, you know, avoiding ourselves and, and the more difficult aspects. Yeah. And also what I love that you brought up too, is that it's not about, um, sort of forcing it abusively into, um, into our present mind when we are really enduring a difficult challenge you know, that it's also that there's a kindness and, and compassion that comes into this work. Um, I think that there's an inner violence that happens um, when people sort of try to take a teaching and, and shove it into their soul. Like, I have to do this. I have to be this. It's, it is the, the opposite of the actual teaching when we do that. And, and I think so many people really just do that in the quiet. Um, that I'm just going to do this. I'm going to, you know, repeat this affirmation and drive it into my brain and into my soul. And, and there is actually an inner violence that's occurring. Yeah. So that's such a subtle, a subtle place to be exploring. Um, and it's really juicy because there's this last stop on the shadow train, if you will, when we're, we're first opening to this idea of shadow that's, that's called the spiritual shadow or the imposter. And the imposter is um, somebody who wants us to think we're finished. Hold, hold on. Hold that thought right there. We'll come back after this break with Dr. Rima Benario, and we're going to talk about transformation, and we're going to talk about the imposter. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. 
the voice of an awakening world. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to Voices of Unity with Reverend Jackie Fernandez. We are having a juicy conversation today with Dr. Rima Benario, and we're just getting into some good stuff about the imposter syndrome. So talk to us more about the imposter. Well, this particular um, imposter that I'm speaking about specifically is is um, a little different than the one people sometimes think of, which is, oh, I'm a fake and a phony and people are going to know it, you know, and so then they mm-hmm. they like play small. That's sort of one form of imposter. This is the spiritual ego or the spiritual imposter who um, actually thinks that we have all of our stuff together, you know, like we've got this, we got this thing down. I'm, I'm on this and we have, we have the right, um, spiritual teaching for every situation. And we say all the right things and we do all the right things, but we're doing that because we're wanting to avoid actually going in and looking at the more painful pieces that might still need some love and attention. And so while we're able to, on the surface, present a really well put together spiritual persona behind the scenes inside of our head and occasionally in our heart, um, we have other things happening. If you know what I mean, you know, we might have critical thoughts, we might have, uh, or we might be very numb on the inside. Um, We might be unable to maintain a healthy relationship. We might, because we sort of judge everybody as, you know, oh, it's, they're just not evolved enough to be, you know, um, Mm -hmm. we, we have these inner judgments that go on. And, and that is a tricky place because where we we feel good a lot of the time until we don't. Mm-hmm. And then we start to very often carve out pieces of our lives. Well, I'm not going to watch any news. I'm not going to interact on Facebook anymore. I'm not going to, I've got to, you know, jettison that whole group of friends over there, you know, and sometimes we do need to set boundaries and, and, you know, remove things from our lives. But when we're doing it because we are unwilling to explore what's underneath the triggering that happens, then we're just making our lives very, very narrow and very, very thin in order to protect our mood. I call it mood making as opposed to transformation. And so, you know, we want to always feel up, to always feel happy, to always feel connected and joyful, to always feel, you know, one with spirit. And you know what? There are days when we just don't. And and that's what it is to be a human being. And so instead of developing this sort of you know, litany of things to keep ourselves protected and erecting all these fences, Deeper work, transformational work allows us to bear ourselves, to be vulnerable, to to knock those walls down, to go inside and look deeply, be willing to examine the painful aspects of our history so that they can be healed, which then allows us to be fully in the world and, and able to maintain a kind of inner inner peace and inner wisdom, which means sometimes we access righteous anger. Sometimes we use that as a way of letting us know, oh, a boundary needs to be set here. And then at the same time we experience that, we have choice about how we speak up. We have choice about what we ask for and how we create health in our life experience and in the world. 
Uh, so good. It's so good. You know, and it makes me think about, you know, we talk about unity as positive spirituality and people take that to mean that we feel positive and that it's about feeling good all the time, but it's not that it's about the message is a positive message as opposed to a message that you're, you know, born in sin and you're, you know, innately, you know, evil and, and those kinds of messaging, you know, we take the positive that you're born an original blessing and you're innately divine. Um, and, but sort of the, the shortcut that happens, like the bend, as you, you said before of, of, you know, towards a platitude is that it's about being positive and feeling good and having this positive mood all the time. So I think that's really powerful that you're talking about, uh, you know, you call it that mood making that we get caught up. If we just play the part of being positive, um, then, then we're truly engaging in positive spirituality, but it's not, it's about that growth movement toward, um, fulfillment. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you can, I used to talk about this, you know, when we would have a beautiful, uplifting experience in church and we'd get out in the parking lot, somebody cut us off and all of a sudden we turn into, you know, exactly, the, the yes. person. like that's not, that's an indication we were working yes. on our mood and not our, you know, transforming mm -hmm. our, mm -hmm. our inner self to be able to be more, um, yes. you know, attuned and aligned with the divine nature within. And, yeah. and really for me, that showed up in my parenting, right? Like I, you know, I wanted to change the way I parented. So I wasn't repeating some of the same issues that caused me to have stuff to deal with, you know, and I was on my own journey around how to be the kind of mother I really, really wanted to be. And I found that it was much more complex than simply making up my mind to say I mm -hmm. wanted to parent differently. You know, mm -hmm. I needed to, yeah. um, understand why things set me off and do the healing work so that I chose different behaviors with my daughter. Yeah, that's such a great example. So let's get into the as a practical application. Let's get into some work, some transformational work. And um, what example can you bring to us that uh, really highlights that? Um, well, you, you you've talked a lot about grounding in the body piece, and of course, mm -hmm. we've already explored the idea idea that we can do shadow work practices. And so I'll just put a plug in for those people that are interested in sort of a a top down process, which is means it's like um a mindfulness practice that uh, you can go to the qeffect.com and read all about the work that we've been doing over there with shadow work. And so the, the, the piece that one can do on one's own that I speak about is, is this body-based work. And so this idea of grounding and my energy teacher likes to say that when we, when we find ourselves in these suboptimal patterns that we have because our shadow material has been triggered, it's, what it's telling us is there's more energy in our body, in our system, than we can adequately deal with. Mm -hmm. And so we can learn tools to do two things. One is to have healthy ways to move the energy without necessarily doing the deeper healing work. So in the moment, you can have a, a way of pressing pause and releasing that energy. The other thing you can do by doing energy work with your body is expand your capacity to hold energy. So let you, you have the ability to be with more excitable experiences, if you want to put it that way, and stay in your body and stay present and, and respond in a more 
you know, beautiful way, a way that's more in alignment with, with who your soul is. So you don't have a bunch of messes to clean up afterwards. So, so we, a grounding practice, a very simple grounding practice is to just become aware of your roots. And I won't spend too much time on this because I, we do a really great job with this one, um, on the show tomorrow. And I really encourage people to sign up and, um, get onto the womankind show list because it's just going to be amazing. And so we do a little bit of a grounding there where we're just connecting to the earth and allowing the energy, the excess energy to just flow back to the earth. So there's a whole process around that. Um, so what I'd like to, to talk about today is this idea of looking at the edge of your auric field. So Every living thing on the planet is an electromagnetic energy field, including ourselves and the earth. And, um, and so that means we have an edge to the field that is around us. If you look at the earth, you can see this in the edge of the atmosphere. And that's there to do a couple of really important things. It keeps the oxygen in that life on earth needs. And it keeps out things that are dangerous for the earth so it's very hot on the edge and you know small asteroids and things will get burned up as they head toward the earth we can bounce all the space junk we've set up sent up off of it and it keeps us safe and protected and so we have an edge like that a membrane just like the cells in your body have a membrane and it's intelligent it knows what to keep out and what to let in all the membranes of our cells are so intelligent the intelligence of the body is there and the same is true for our energy field what's new or was new for me to learn was that you can program it so you can you can develop a relationship with it. You can notice how strong it feels. How 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 permeable is it? Is stuff coming in that you don't want in? Is is your stuff getting out that really needs to not be allowed out? So the metaphor that I think of is a greenhouse. And I imagine myself like a beautiful orchid sitting inside this greenhouse. And I need light to come in and I need heat to come in. And I need to be able to keep that heat inside so that I can grow if there's cold outside. What I don't want is wind and rain and snow and all those other things to come in. And so when we think about our the edge of our auric field, we're thinking about making sure that we are conscious about that which we allow in. And so there's a visualization that we can do right now where I just invite people to close their eyes if they feel comfortable. And um, put your arms out to the sides like you're extending your arms all the way out. And I like to put my hands face up. So it's sort of the opposite of prayer pose where you bring your hands into touch in the middle, open your arms out. And, and then just using your active imagination, begin to move up and down and see if you can feel the edge of your auric field. See if you can make contact with it with your hands. Usually that's about where it sits. And I've been doing this practice for so long that right now I can actually feel heat. And so sometimes you'll notice that it feels like a color. You might see a color come in. You might notice that it has a bit of an attitude. It might be saying, hey, where you been all my life? Or it might be um, really grateful and happy to be making this contact with you. 
And you want to use your active imagination now to really see that edge getting nice and thick and glowing, like maybe even one or two inches thick. And sometimes I'll move my hands as though they're like paint brushes, like I'm smoothing the inside of the edge, the whole edge of my bubble that sits around me. It's above me, below me, behind me. And strengthening it and smoothing out any places that it might be ruffled or any small tears I might find or any places where it's weak and just really imagine thickening it up. And for me, a place I really have to pay attention is low down in the back. It's almost as though when I was a child, I created an escape hatch back there. And a lot of my energy can leak out the back if I'm not careful. Um, and the other thing that I used to do that I didn't realize I was doing until I started this work is I will push my bubble forward in an effort to protect myself, which just keeps people feeling like I'm unaccessible or they can't, they can't feel me or reach me um, or be in relationship with me. And so I've had to learn to sit in the center of my bubble and allow myself to make conscious choices about connecting with people instead of protecting myself overly. You can also play with pulling your your edge in so it's nice and close you know if you've got to be in a really crowded place you can you can feel your bubble coming in closer and then you can play with the idea of pushing it out and so you know if you're if you're not into or haven't done much active imagination work then this might feel really strange and weird and that's okay it can it can feel a little woo woo we can welcome that um, and my encouragement is that you just play with this practice and, and take some time to get to know this edge. And when you're ready, you can choose to change the programming and give it explicit instructions to keep out that which does not serve you. And you can even name some of those things if you like. Keep that energy out. It's not that you're keeping people out. You're just keeping energy that doesn't belong to you out. And then keeping your energy in that you need for your own growth, for your own blossoming, for your own vitality, rather than letting it leak out in places unconsciously that then it goes places where it doesn't belong. Yeah, so Jackie, I'm curious what your experience is of that. If you, this is amazing. I so I have done some of this work before, but it's it's been a little bit since I've done it quite in this way. And uh, what I noticed right away is that um, I I felt the heat, like you said, and I also felt I, I just a real. Um, I'm going to say soft density, which maybe doesn't make sense, but like a gelatin, like. Um, so I felt very safe. Like immediately mm. I felt this warmth and, and this safety, like, oh, here's my safety. Mm -hmm. And I loved working with the idea of thickening or, um, and moving and playing with that in terms of where I can spread it out and immediately thought of, of my children, like being able to bring them and, and create that space for them. Yeah, so that's great that you brought that up because when we're small, um, again, this comes from my energy teacher whose lineage is um, uh, the Deer Tribe, and so it's Indigenous American um, mystery school teachings, and uh, or Turtle Island as it's referred to. And so the idea is when we're small, if our parents are conscious of this, we actually reside inside their bubble when we're 
firstborn and Mm -hmm. and protected in that way. And then the job of the parent is to teach the child about their own bubble while they're inside the parent's bubble, and then eventually help the child move outside of their bubble and begin to tend to their own edge. And for parents to respect their children's Mm -hmm. spaces and teach them their autonomy and their sovereignty. And one of the reasons this was so impactful for me as I was talking about wanting to change my parenting style was that I was unaware before I learned this, that my energy field, my edge was like, it was so porous that it was like I took up all the space in the mm-hmm. house energetically. Mm-hmm. And I, I was not aware of it. And I would all day long, I worked from home even at that time and, and would say, gosh, I can't wait for my husband to come home. But then he would actually come home and I, I'd find it irritating that he was there because it felt like he was intruding. Well, the reason it felt that way is that my energy was way out in the space. Mm -hmm. There was no room for him, you know? So the same was true for my daughter. I would take up too much space. And so she actually formed a kind of a response to that that was overly shelled and living kind of down in the earth, you know? And Mm -hmm. when I created space by learning how to bring my energy in, our relationship really shifted and and she was able to feel more safe in my environment because I wasn't everywhere, you know? Um, And this was like a shock to me. I had no idea that I was living in this way. That's amazing. And to be able to be able to have those conversations with your family and people who you're actually living with, um, I, I think is so enriching. You know, we talk a lot about boundaries in our home and, you know, there's a toddler and two teenagers. So it's important. It's, you know, critically important to negotiate boundaries all the time. And, you know, for the toddler, it's, it's, it's really instilling that, um, you know, just sort of this, um, foundational layer of personal power and mm-hmm. um and using your voice and but also to um be in touch with how it feels in her body you know mm-hmm. what does it feel like right now what how do you feel what's happening in your body so that she can learn to identify that as she grows and for the teenagers it's as much about about all of that. I think we need to do that at every age, but it's about, um, applying those boundaries in context, you know, with family members and with others and how, you know, how do I negotiate the space that I want to take up and the space that I'm willing to share. Um, and so I think it's, especially in this, you know, pandemic year when we've all spent more time at home, we've got, you know, people working from home and schooling from home where we're used to having that flow of everyone, you know, mad rush to leave in the morning and then everyone comes home and it's a mad rush to get dinner and, you know, and then wind down for the evening where now it's, you know, we've had that, um, big shift of, managing the full day, you know, with everyone under the same roof and, and how do we, um, fit into that energetically and in a way that feels nurturing. Yeah. And there, there's still a lot of people that are being asked to go in, uh, to work, you know, if mm-hmm. they're essential workers and they're, mm-hmm. um, you know, part of organizations or, or businesses that are open. And so in this way, we can't, there's a lot in the field right now, right? So whether we're at home or we're out, using this practice actually can help us feel more settled on the Mm -hmm. inside energetically. And as people become more conscious and capable with this practice, what we found in our family, this along with several others that I, I now teach, there's the number of power struggles that we deal with are, you know, just 
almost nil now. We've got so many skills that we've brought on board. We've got, you know, we're doing the shadow work. We've got conscious conversations that allow us to negotiate. But energetically, mm-hmm. we're clearer. We're clearing. Our space is clear. We're, we're not, you know, getting in each other's spaces. And it really allows people to feel a greater sense of sovereignty. And mm-hmm. really self-sovereignty and sovereignty is... You know, you talked about what's at the heart of my work. That That's the word that I would say it all boils down to is mm-hmm. living a sovereign life and allowing those in our space to also live sovereignly, like, like to really honor and acknowledge they have their own sovereignty. We have our own sovereignty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful and important work. And, if, you know, especially for women, um, you know, it's there's you know, we're still overcoming, you know, centuries of, you know, personal sovereignty having been stripped, you know, from us. And so I think that that, you know, the sort of the levels and evolution of just even feminism um, and and then also bringing that into spirituality, it's just it's ongoing generational work for us. And as we do this kind of work, you know, we heal it backwards and we heal it forwards. Absolutely. Yeah. It's really Yeah. And I would say even men, you know, have had their feminine aspects. Mm -hmm. Um, there, there's the issues of the way the patriarchy operates has Mm -hmm. been uh, with fear around the forms of feminine power. And so we all have masculine and feminine within us. And while my work does primarily center around supporting women, I will say that this work is really important for men as well to be able to access their own feminine, um, capacities, which Mm -hmm. when we're, we're playing, we've been talking about integration all day, you know, when we've got those both the light and the dark, the masculine and feminine, the up, the down, the in, the out, you know, all of it functioning um, well, then that's, that supports us. And, and that work is sort of crystallized for me now in these seven queen archetypes that I work with, where I'm supporting women to really embody, what does it mean to be an imp- a grounded queen? What does it mean to be a passionate queen? What does it mean to be an empowered queen? How do I live in my power in a way that is, you know, honoring of my own personal power and also respecting of others' personal power? Different models of power than we've had before. What does it mean to be a loving queen? You know, and and making sure I'm turning that love inward for myself so that I've got a full well before I try to offer water to others. Um, What does it mean to have my creative self and my vocation, my passion, my purpose in the world, not sort of physical um, passion, uh, you know, between relationships, but there's this, this, this connection between the passionate queen and the creative queen and the expressive queen, you know, and how we put that out into the world. How do we, you know, make sure our voice is heard? And then the wise queen and the divine queen, you know, these Mm -hmm. two really work together to be able to bring that acknowledgement that we are a divine being and then share that out into the world so we're making wise choices so that we have clear vision and and able to to really access all those aspects of ourselves and very interestingly each of these queens has this we as we've talked about this 
expression, this light filled expression in the world and light always creates shadow everywhere it goes. This is what happens. And so there are actually two shadow forms of each of those queens that I am, you know, in this work, in this body of work, helping people become aware of so that we can, we can learn how to navigate and negotiate when those shadow aspects arise and choose the more conscious way of moving forward. So beautiful, so beautiful, such deep and important work, the work of healing. Thank you for the way the divine shines through you, Rima. It's just exquisite. Thank you oh, for I the appreciate work. that. And yeah. if people are curious and learning more about that, I am teaching a workshop on these a mini retreat and masterclass on these seven queens, and they can uh, learn about that. It's happening. Saturday, I'm sorry, um, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday evening on January the 10th, 11th, and 12th. And you can go to, um, yeah, it's just this weekend. So there's still space. Um, it's, you can visit yourqueendom.com and that will take you to, um, to the registration page. I really should put a link for that on my website as well. People can find me at remabenario.com, but I, actually need to to do that i haven't done that so i will do that today um you your queendom.com should should get you there beautiful and people can follow you on facebook are you on instagram i am awesome all right so we got ways to connect with with rima beautiful and um also you can go to womankind.live where you'll find a a place to register to get your tickets for the first premiere episode of womankind which includes rima and a daily practice by her which is just beautiful so thank you so much rima i think it would be great for us to close this show with a song by kelly hunt create in me because we've been talking about how to create within and how to allow the divine to come in more fully, how to bring the light forward and that we can integrate our humanity with our divinity in a way that brings healing and a a true path for living our queendom. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Jackie. It's been a pleasure to be here. All right, let's roll it, Louie. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Victoria Moran. Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work in your real life and our real world. 
Join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm.